Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com. That's Alienware.com slash deals. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Lexus codename Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's top of the week, which means it's time, Conspiracy Realist, for some strange news. And the strange news segments just get curiouser and curiouser. We're finding more and more odd stuff with each uh, passing day. You should see our group chat, actually, which we probably won't publish. I, I don't think we should. What do you guys oh, think? Oh, just a snippet? Just a little taste of a screenshot? I Give the people you. what they want, guys. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's figure out if, if that's something you all want. Let us let us know. We've got a uh, We've got coups, we've got the black market, we've got some uh we've got some hacking afoot in multiple cases. Uh let's see, where do you uh where where do you guys want to start? You know, no, actually uh, I was gonna chime Co- in and say yeah. it being a little bit of a grab baggy, updatey kind of zeitgeisty thing, I thought maybe we could start with mine. Does that sound okay yeah. to everyone? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Let's uh I think 
I think COVID is on a lot of people's It's on a lot minds. of people's minds, I think because of the holiday, and I think there was a lot of hope that things were going to be better by the holidays, because everybody's been really thirsting for that, you know, personal touch and seeing family and going through a lot to social, social distance and was hoping maybe for a little payoff. Uh, but as it turns out, that's not the way uh, it turned out. Um, we've been seeing COVID cases spiking, hospitalizations spiking across the country, and also kind of just a general malaise associated with the whole COVID experience situation. Understandably so. Uh, thankfully, you know, there is a, sort of a light at the end of the tunnel in that we've got these two vaccines that are testing very positively. And um, we could talk a little bit about, about this process too, about how they were able to accelerate it. Cause I think there's a lot of misconceptions around that, but it looks like they're already shipping. I think I saw a story today. Um, a nurse in somewhere in New York uh, was given like th- the first kind of televised uh, injection of the Pfizer COVID vaccine, which was tested and proven to be 95% effective in I believe fighting the disease and then nine, like a little under that in completely preventing it. But I think you need two instances of it. I think that's really important that you get the second uh, dose of it. So understandably, there's a lot of demand for this product. Uh, there's already a lot of competition in developing it. And now we've got it. What is it? Pfizer? What was the other company, Ben? Uh, there, there are a couple in phase three trials. There's Moderna's Moderna. vaccine. Janssen, as well as AstraZeneca. So you'll probably hear all four of those in the news. But right now, Pfizer is the only one that is CDC approved. That's exactly right. Um, And we could talk a little bit about this before we even get into the story. What they've done, to my understanding, guys, uh, in fast-tracking this is not just like willy-nilly fast-tracking it. It's a three-step process in vetting these types of medications. And I believe they got rid of step two. Um, step three is all, all, all of the placebo effect studies, studying for side effects. Obviously, we don't have a long enough timeline to know any potential long-term side effects, but I think within the best of their ability or of the ability of any clinical trials, they're going to find out if there are any immediate side effects that, that are to be worried about. I've been seeing a couple of articles discussing the concern of it causing um, facial paralysis on one side, but then there was a kind of a clarification article that came up after that that said that there was um, it wasn't directly linked to it, and I believe there were a handful of deaths involved in the clinical trials, uh, but then those came back around and they weren't determined to not be directly linked to it either, but they are watching watching for the uh, the facial paralysis. So with all of this kind of hustle to get this, you know, medication out um, as quickly as possible and the holidays and all of that, um, I started looking into the idea of black market surrounding not only the uh, vaccine, but also looking back, you know, into the big travel push that happened during um, during Thanksgiving, black market COVID test results. Uh, and I actually was getting a haircut the other day and the person cutting my hair mentioned that there, that there were reports of people buying forged, uh, falsified negative COVID test results that they could present at, you know, check-in or whatever at the airport, because that is a requirement, uh, for, for a lot of airlines. Um, and I, and I found an article that talked about that very thing. Uh, so let's we can start there and then go into the vaccine stuff. Just this is like it's a, basically a month old story. It's why I wanted to caveat it, but I, it's not something we've discussed. I think it's interesting. So just to be clear, this is 
somehow just a piece of paper that's being generated and purchased that says you've got negative results. Well, that's the thing, guys. It's like when you go get a COVID test, you get your results via text message or like an email. And how hard is it to screenshot that text message, match the font and just change the name and birthday associated with it? Uh, it's really mm-hmm. nothing much more advanced than that. And that's what this article that I found on insider.com um, talked about. And again, it's from about a month ago from November 16th, talking about there's a thriving black market for fake COVID-19 tests. And uh, the travel industry is just beginning to kind of get wise to it and crack down. But it really isn't anything much more advanced um, than what I just described, uh, because we don't really have the infrastructure to that's also a question I have about like the future of all this stuff. When there is a vaccine mm-hmm. is, are we then going to have some kind of like notarized credential, like a passport, like some sort of stamp document officially, you know, notarized that shows that we got the uh, vaccine or there what, what, or, or have a negative result or have the antibody. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a longstanding thing. The idea of proven, paper documentation for vaccine for international travelers. So you could just take that same admittedly outdated, I would say, archaic system and transfer it over. But with the push to be paperless, what we would probably see is a, uh, (laughs) all right, what we probably see is a government-created website or monitoring system that probably is very expensive for Uncle Sam and then probably has a ton of tech issues. But I saw what I saw with the fake test. Uh, the first report I heard occurred in France That's at right. Charles de Gaulle. Yep, and, 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 and they caught somebody who was selling them at, at Charles de Gaulle, where like seven people were arrested for selling selling these fake certificates. So they were just forgers. Uh, they they didn't have to your point. They did not have some kind of infrastructure. They just to fly. They needed a piece of paper that said they were good to go. These also cost from. 180 to 360 bucks. So feel free to negotiate if you're already going to be a horrible person. Yeah. And that's sort of what it comes down to, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's essentially uh, putting everyone else at risk so that you can do whatever you want. And that's why I think the whole politicization of a lot of this stuff is so infuriating because like the idea of wearing a mask isn't even really for you as much as it is for others and to prevent the spread if you happen to have it. And other for others, just comfort level, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that's always kind of blown my mind. That's become such a, you know, hot button issue. But um, it's true with this. Like like you said, Ben, it literally was, uh, you know, in this insider article, someone was talking about how everybody they know has a covid test. And it's almost like it's even easier than like faking a urine test. Like, let's say you have a job that's trying to screen you for drugs and you know that you've smoked marijuana recently, which is the, the one that stays in your system the longest. So you get your friend to give you their, their urine and you keep it in like a bag taped to your leg or something. So I've heard, um, but this is like that, but even easier because with the, the urine, they take the temperature of it. You know, there's things they do safeguards in place at a clinic or a lab to make sure you're not, you know, giving them fake urine or whatever, or somebody else's urine. And with this, it's so new that there just isn't. Um, so it's kind of mind blowing that people would pay that much. But like you said, Ben, between 180 and 360 bucks, uh, according to the Associated Press. Have, mm. have you heard about the uh, the proposals for a COVID nineteen so called immunity passport? That's sort of I have not been, but that seems to be the kind of thing we'd be looking at. That would be more official, more traceable, some kind of database associated with it. You know, 
what have you. Mm -hmm. t t tell us about it. I, I really don't know anything about are you, it. Are you talking about Compass or is this something different? Uh, there, is it called Compass? There's the one I know about is the International Air Transport Association. The, this is all in the ideation stage. There's not an actual passport yet. Um, but this this would be something that would be considered a digital passport, to your earlier point, Noel, and this would allow travelers, I think it would be opt-in, but it would allow travelers to share their vaccination status and test results with Border Patrol via this app. Mm -hmm. So you would just have this on your app. Uh, security becomes a concern. But then also, you know, even if you don't make this mandatory for travelers as a law, airlines and uh, cargo ships and cruise ships can make it a de facto law because they will just refuse to let you on if you don't have a negative result, which I will say is just my opinion. I think it's the right thing to do. But a lot of people are worried about what they see as overreach. I completely agree. But come on, to those people, they won't let you on if you have the wrong size shaving gel. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like how is this more egregious that, than that? Or like more of an invasion of privacy or, or uh, you know, uh, screwing around with your civil liberties? I, I, I think we're past that when it comes to air travel. Well, it is, you know, this the whole situation, as we've discussed before, just brings up questions about health care, about your own health and the information associated with it. Mm -hmm. And who should have access to that information? And it's been widely, commonly recognized that nobody should have it besides healthcare practitioners, yourself, and anyone else that you specifically say can have access to any of it. And a, a test like this falls under that same criteria, or it's the same kind of information. It's just there's a there's a public need to know whether you know that one tiny aspect about your health. Uh, so something like common pass, which is something slightly different, it would, it was, it would try at least according to their, um, the nonprofit that's trying to make common pass mm -hmm. a thing. Uh, they're saying they're trying to make a, essentially a, a trust structure for individuals to be able to share small bits of information about their health with, you know, like the TSA and other organizations that are trying to clear passengers for travel, um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting concept to be able to have that an app like you were talking about, Ben, where you could just flash it or just a QR code or something that just specifically has that updated mm -hmm. information about your health. And that's it. But it's well, verified. Yeah. Yeah. But think about, OK, so think about this. Let's get real dystopian and weird and depressing with it. Uh, so first off, we've had systems like this that just existed on paper, which made them more difficult uh, and arguably a little bit more secure in some ways. Like you have to get polio vaccination or yellow fever vaccinations if you're going to different mm -hmm. parts of the world, often developing countries, where those diseases occur at a higher frequency. But the thing about Common Pass is that it's rolling out in a couple cities, right, in flights from a, a, a discrete number of cities at first. These solutions help, but they don't, they gain the most benefits when they are at scale mm -hmm. when every group has them. And what should be interesting to a lot of people who recognize that now is that there are multiple kind of brand name passes coming out. Like another, the International Chamber of Commerce, COC, is developing something they call the AOK -OK pass, 
But anyway, so there are competitors out there already. Hopefully they can work together. But the second thing is, once this kind of thing is accepted, once it's out there, uh, you can, this can be used to transmit all sorts of medical information unless strong safeguards are in place. Like I, I don't think there's any, I, I think this is a door that does not close. I think we need it for COVID, mm-hmm. but I think the same technology, again, uh, the same thing that, that warms you can burn you. Um, mm. You know it, what I mean? It's the same, it's the same slippery slope as that ring dot uh, com um, database we talked about on the last news episode, right? Where it's like, oh, on the surface, yes, this is a good thing to help protect our citizens and make sure the police knows if the f- folks are in trouble. But then there's all kinds of other things that can get rolled up into it over time. And, you know, it's just cliche to even say, but it's like a slippery slope. And, and obviously this is mm. too. Um, but another slippery slope is the implications of how the black market enters into the actual vaccine. Okay. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. you know, obvious. I don't think anyone's like, Oh, it would never, never occurred to me, but yeah, I mean, it's like the moment you have something in high demand like that. We talk about it with, with organ transplants all the time. We talk about it with all kinds of commodities that are only available in limited supply. Um, and that will be absolutely no exception when it comes to COVID-19 vaccines because we know I think there was even like talk where it was going to get rolled out to the White House very, very quickly. Uh, And I think a lot of people probably had a problem with that, considering how many White House employees got COVID um, from being not super smart about social distancing. You know, politics aside, I think we can at least agree that's pretty much a fact. Um, So the idea of giving them I've even heard that if you've had COVID before, which I have, I, I got it earlier. I don't know if I've mentioned that on the show before, but early on I was in, I was traveling and I got sick and it was like back in March. And then I got an antibody test recently and I, I did have it. So even though my instance of having gotten it was way back in March, I do still have the antibody apparently, or at least I did, you know, um, however many months ago it was that I got that test. I'm not supposed to try to get the uh, vaccine like for a long time they are asking people like me, and anyone else out there who's gotten it and, and, and survived it to hold on and not try to get it because you technically are in better shape to be not immune because they're not saying that. They don't really even know that the antibody makes you immune. But um, this black market idea is fascinating because they're giving it to healthcare workers first, understandably. But there's even outside of the black market angle, the idea of uh, being a um, what's the word they use, guys, uh, critical workers or what, there's, there's a there's a term essential, um, essential, workers. essential workers. So apparently in Florida, the World Wrestling Entertainment Organization, that that's the one, not the wildlife one, the wrestling one um, was deemed to be essential. Uh, and the chairman of WWE is Vince McMahon who's really good friends with Donald Trump and his wife, Linda McMahon actually is on the, uh, is the chair of a uh, super PAC for, for Trump. So take that, do with it what you will. But the idea of who is deemed essential workers, even in and of itself is a little slippery and political, but um, once the vaccine rolls out, there's so much possibility for it to get, you know, uh, oh, a bunch of doses fell off a truck, you know, that kind of story. Um, or counterfeit doses sold to people in need. Oh, God, Ben, uh, didn't even think about that one. That's that's a, a whole nother ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Also, I would add uh, quickly, like regardless of your 
regardless of your own personal political leanings, folks, it does make sense for world leaders to have early access to a virus just mm-hmm. for stability of government. Um, and, you know, as far as the WWE, not to knock on them, you're right. Maybe essential is in the eye of the beholder, but also remember that this country, the United States, did a brilliant and 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 a ruthless Machiavellian job of calling people essential workers and putting out nice commercials about them and not doing a damn thing to help them. Right. Like other than what twelve hundred bucks once. Sure. Like there's I I would be um I would be surprised if all of the people who were described as essential uh, essential workers and a lot of that propaganda, I would be surprised if they do get early access to the vaccine when the rubber hits the road. I do think it's going to be, um, we'll see a lot of medical personnel. Yes. Um, but one important point you raised is that Pfizer, I, I call it the double dose because you got to get two shots and that the interim between those shots is going to knock a lot of people who are essential workers out of the game. Also, there's other loopholes to consider. So, I mean, the black market stuff, we all know how that works. It basically just means folks are circumventing the law, either stealing, uh, falsifying, whatever, bootlegging. And that could be a whole other thing. It could actually kill people. Uh, but let's just say those doses are real. They're gotten in some nefarious way, but not necessarily because there are actually uh, perfectly legal ways to circumvent this and to jump in line. And one of them is by having like a pre-existing condition like asthma or high blood pressure or uh, even being a smoker would consider would be considered having like a, a mitigating factor that would make you more high risk and could potentially bump you up in the line. It's sort of like when people were trying to get medical marijuana and the easiest way to do that is to go to your doctor and say, I have described the symptoms of whatever it was that you needed in order to get the thing. I think we all know uh, that that happens, you know, if, if people are like having mild anxiety and they know that if they play it up a little bit, the doctor will probably give them like Xanax or something, you know. Um, but this is an absolute thing that, that that we need to be thinking about. The idea of people kind of overplaying uh, their medical risk factors in order to convince the doctor to put them on that list. It's a tough thing, and I'm not the right person to make the decision about who is essential and not and who gets the vaccine first. But I think anyone who is working in any kind of healthcare capacity is all immediately top of the list. What about and schools, then, teachers? And, well, I mean, if we're if we're choosing to send kids back to school, then yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, and then anyone who's again anybody who's handling food, like let's why mm-hmm. not? Why not? Let's do that. And then after that, if we can if we can eat, drink water, and save people who are dying, then you know the rest of us will we'll get it eventually. We'll get the the vaccine eventually. One thing I think everybody gets after this is an injection of common sense. Like I was just thinking about buffets. You guys remember buffets? Yeah, those are cool. Why why were we going to buffets? Like even <laughs> oh. even free. Uh, COVID. And then, of course, everyone's seen the memes where it's like, if you kiss a dog, if you kiss your dog on the mouth, don't worry about what's in this vaccine, et cetera. But there are there are serious concerns and the black market is is a big one. And I think one of the most important parts for me that you bring up here, Noel, is that uh, there are legal ways to circumvent this system, at least in the U.S., the 
the healthcare system is world class if you are well to do. Yep. It's designed to be that way. They're not breaking the law in many cases by doing this. So it's something to keep an eye on, regardless of how uh, you feel personally about the Pfizer vaccine or the other three that are on the way. Uh, I would just, I would pay attention. You know what I, I would do? I, I don't think this counts as insider info because we're not experts on this, but I would be, uh, if I were an investor, I would be very, very interested in the medical monitoring technology uh, and biotech mm. stocks because they're they're gonna they're gonna zoom up, you know, maybe as much as Zoom stock. I don't That's know what Zoom point, stock is. Uh, I'll add one last just little quote from a bioethicist from NYU named Arthur Kaplan. And to the point that you just made, Ben, about access to better health care, um, this is what he has to say about that. Uh, some of the richest investment firms have their own mini health systems so they can run vaccines through those doctors that give the physicals and maintain the health of the executives in the company. So to unpack that, it's basically like almost just like the the most exclusive and private of insurance that's that's taking care of high level executives and who, who it behooves to you know get the vaccine early and it's all at the you know behest of these doctors a lot of the time that are part of these health systems so it's interesting stuff um, a little scary I I know if everyone will get it, get it who wants it eventually really quickly before we wrap how do you guys feel about like the whole trust factor and people even like being willing to take it. Or, or, or refusing to take it or the idea of it being made mandatory for certain jobs. Cause different that's a slippery episode. slope too. Different yep. episode has yep. to be mandatory yeah. for certain jobs. Don't understand the controversy. Got it. Interested. To, I'm interested to, to have that episode. What do you made think a, now, real quick? Made a huge mistake and started watching the U S version of utopia. Uh, I've been trying to watch the British version for a long time, but mm -hmm. I still can't get access to it. Somebody mm -hmm. send me some Blu-rays. Uh, it just use express VPN, man. Well, it's just reignited. Yeah, well, it just reignited some of my fears, some of my personal fears about mass vaccination, even though sure. I'm fully on board with understanding why they exist, why there are things in them that have been harmful in the past. I didn't understand fully squalene and some of these other additives to vaccines until we made that episode. That's the shark mm -hmm. one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, any, that's correct. Anything that seems to cause them to be more effective as an outside thing that kind of just jumpstarts your immune system. Um, like, I understand people's fears, um, mm. but I but I think if you look if you look closely enough, the way we did in that episode, and I, I can't remember the name of that episode, but I'd recommend mm -hmm. going back and listen to some of our episodes on COVID and vaccinations, um, mm. just to get some more info, and then do your own research. And I would say. There is stuff to be slightly fearful of or fearful about, but it is yeah. not, it's not maybe to the level that you currently fear, feel. To be, yeah, to be completely clear, what I don't see, I don't see the controversy of people having to have vaccinations for certain jobs in general. That just makes sense. But I do understand, and I think we're very clear about that. You know, um, I think we did a good job with that one. Matt, where we we said, you know, like these fears about mass vaccination don't come out of nowhere. It's not something yeah. somebody just made up. There are historical additives that uh, that give people pause. Like I, I understand. And without spoiling utopia, um, I, I, I get it. I mean, fiction is a mirror of fact. That's all fiction will ever be in some ways. It's conversation with reality. So. So, yeah, the thing is, there's a lot of missing information right now. Um, 
but we want to hear your thoughts. Are you going to get the shot? If you get the Pfizer one, you have to get both of them. Remember, (laughs) that first one's not going to do diddly if you don't get the follow-up. You got to get the combo. Uh, Yeah. And and Ben, you mentioned like some of them are not going to have to be kept at like sub-zero temperature. That's obviously like a positive in terms of transporting it, in terms of like the uh, logistics of getting them distributed. But the Pfizer one, the, the one that's closest, it does, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, the Pfizer the Pfizer vaccine needs to be stored at minus seventy degrees Celsius, so that's very tough for supply chains, especially in developing countries. So doesn't that mean they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot from the start? Like the other ones are going to supersede them, like if they're if they're easier to transport, or is it kind of like because it's just sort of like a one? And I'm, I'm, I'm this is these are. I don't know, imprecise questions. I'm just wondering, like, it, it, that sort of seems like a, a bug, you know, like uh, a problem. Yeah, and they're in a race to save lives. So it's really, it's not a situation where you can say millions of people are going to die, uh, but we want to make sure this is at a more convenient temperature. I'm sure they're working on something like that, but, you know, the clock of mortality is ticking uh, faster than usual for some. Yep. And speaking of clocks, hours ticks away. So we're going to take a quick break to your word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
International Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we have returned. But maybe we haven't returned to the U.S. Maybe we are returning to Haiti, where last year, another person tried to launch a coup in this country. Coups don't get discussed super often in the Western media, partially because historically Uncle Sam is responsible for a lot of them through various proxies. Uh, this one is different because the architect of the coup, which is was unsuccessful, was a former sergeant in the U.S. Marines. He was born in Haiti. And in April 2019, this Marine, Sergeant Jacques Yves Sebastian de Rousseau, uh, he, he started planning on going back to his homeland with a bunch of firearms to start a military or a militant group, excuse me, to overthrow the current government of Haiti and to become the president. Uh, almost a year ago to the day, they arrived at the airport in Port-au-Prince and they were doctoring paperwork such that it seemed that he was a Marine colonel on orders, on legitimate orders to go there. And he had a friend, a guy named T.H., that's all we know so far, who would pretend to be uh, Duracell's subordinate and they would like fill out paperwork to transport these items. Uh, but everything that they said they were transporting, it was a lie. It was a cover story because they were taking weapons, body armor, rifle scopes, and they almost got away with it too. But those pesky folks at customs finally stopped him. And when they stopped him, he said something very interesting. They checked his luggage. He was detained. And instead of calling for a lawyer, instead of remaining silent, he waived all his rights. He told the investigators he was traveling to Haiti to help the Haitian people, quote, defeat the thugs that have been creating a little bit of part of the instability in Haiti. This story is crazy, right? It's already... Um, it's already an unfortunate thing. We saw a failed invasion of, what was it, Venezuela earlier this year? Do you guys remember that? I uh, do. We've seen a couple of other lone actors, but the thing that's the most nuts about this is that this is just the most recent example of a thing that happens way more often than it gets reported. There's a Marine uh, corporal named Hussein Farah Adid who used to lie to his bosses about missing drill periods. He would say he had to travel outside of the country. And what he was actually doing when he was doing that was returning to Somalia, where he worked for his father, Mohammed Farah Adid. Uh, oh, yeah, the job he did for his father uh, was to be a general in his militia because his father's a warlord, because, of course, he is. And this, uh, the coup actions, instabilizing actions of Adid led to the deaths of 18 U.S. service members in, uh, in an incident that you may most easily remember from the film and book Black Hawk Down. Wow. The, yeah. 
This is in nuts. Mogadishu? Mm-hmm. Yep. Spot on. Just so. So wow. we have a lot of, like, we have multiple cases of people going out on their own, going rogue, and launching launching coups. Now, is this, Matt, you said this is something you hadn't heard of. Noel, was this familiar to you at Not all? Not at all. No, this is all news to me. I just feel like it, it's such a dangerous thing, but it also makes me feel like people are so motivated. You know what I mean? One time, people are out here changing the world for the better or the worse, and one time I legitimately fell asleep trying to put on a pair of pants. Like, this puts ambition into perspective. Um but also, I just I just want to know more about that. I but you know we'll leave it there for now. It was a long it was a long day. They weren't complicated pants either. It's just the same <laughs> two legs that humans would have. But uh, but yeah. So the reason we know about the reason we know about Duracell's plan was that just recently, just a few days ago, he was found guilty. It's just last week, actually. He's found guilty this past Thursday. Uh, we're recording this on December 14th. He's convicted of five various counts, smuggling firearms. And, and of course, it was acknowledged that he was going in there to train up his own secessionist group. Uh, the Justice Department said that he was going to be sentenced during March of 2021. The maximum penalty for getting caught planning a coup at least in this situation, if you're evaluating your options, is uh, 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine, which gave, you know, this gave me a tangentially related question I wanted to pass to you guys. You know how when you see people convicted and they get the maximum fine for something and it's like 250 grand or uh, 500 grand or something like that, if they're not well-to-do, if they're not a Bernie Madoff, how do they pay that? Do their wages get garnished? Like, what what happens? I'm sure that's what it would be. There's an attempt to pay it off, and then I don't know what pressures are able to be placed on any individual who owes something like that. I, I just don't know. I've never experienced that before. Yeah, legal beagles, or legal badgers, we should say, in the <laughs> audience, let, let us know how, how that works, because it's something that's always... I haven't looked into, but it, but it always confused me, you know, when you hear somebody get hit with a tremendous fine and you know that they are not part of the upper crust, so they probably can't pay it, you know, uh, just out of pocket. So I, I guess they just spend their lives with like some crippling debt. It's kind of like student loans, right? Yeah. Um, but, but it's crime loans. But Ben, I just want to make sure. So mm. the guy in question who took all this stuff all these weapons over to Haiti. It sounds like a bunch of uh, handguns, mostly handguns, a couple rifles, some body armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he, what, he was not charged in Haiti for attempting a coup. He was sent back to the U.S. and charged here or there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was because he was smuggling guns from the U.S. to Got Haiti. Uh, so, so the U.S. Justice Department came down on him uh, because he... According to Robert Higdon, the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina, uh, he he violated U.S. firearms laws, particularly in relation to export and licensing. And then he says, just buries the lead here, quote, but it additionally posed concerns about our citizens unilaterally acting in relation to the government of a foreign country. Especially because he's a Marine. He has the training. We talked about this earlier, right? Yeah, he has yeah, yeah. 
He has the expertise and familiarity to teach people. He once served as a marksman in Quantico. And uh, this was this was the real deal. It makes you wonder how many... Oh, he was also impersonating a rank he did not earn. Impersonating yeah. a colonel. So how, it makes you wonder how many close call coups or coup attempts we've had from these like lone rangers right like the i i don't know if we ever talked about did we talk about the venezuelan coup on this show it was called operation gideon don't by, think so oh, i know we mentioned it when it came when it was happening but i think it was just in passing conversation yeah yeah this one was a partnership with an American private military company called Silver Core USA, spelled like C-O-R-P, USA, uh, to infiltrate Venezuela by sea and then forcibly remove Maduro from office. So, a coup. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the problem is, this happened in May of this year, and apparently it was just a real, uh, it was a real show because they had little to no chance of success. There was like this kind of slapstick attempt to get these motorboats into the area. They didn't, they had former Green Berets serving as mercenaries and the Green Berets must have just been severely unimpressed with the whole operation. And you'll recall there were some, uh, there were some rumors quickly buried in U.S. media of a tacit agreement between Silver Corps and a couple of, um, I believe it was private industry actors and maybe some factions of the U.S. government itself, but no actual Uncle Sam stuff. Wow. So it, far. It does make me think about some of these defense contracting companies and some of the essentially mercenaries that end up in war-torn areas of the world and, you know, some of our coverage of that in the past. And it also makes me think about, do you guys remember something called Aero Trade? Did you ever hear of that? Hmm. No. What that was, was that again? This was just a really similar thing that occurred. Uh, it was a company in the United States. Oh, Lord. I think it has. I think it was Haiti. Maybe it was a different country. But mm. where this company was essentially training or or spending money to train and provide uh, weapons and materials for the Haitian military, I think, or maybe that's uh, right. Um, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't Haiti. Was it Haiti? I don't know. It was you're right. You're just so. Yeah. It was a private company like that. Mm. Just providing all this stuff and they don't, they're not going through official channels. It's almost like it reminds me of the, the CIA front companies and some of the, some of the work that we've looked at in the past there, where you use a front company or a defense contractor to go in, to a, a different country and just operate under the radar, or at least until you're caught. <laughs> right. This also led me down a path when I was looking at coups, resistance groups, um, and, and other insurrectionist movements. This led me down a path that really disturbed me. First off, the long history of U.S. intervention in Haiti is an episode all its own. Uh, secondly, I fell into a very disturbing rabbit hole on the practice of like the phenomenon of child soldiers, how they are recruited, how they are brainwashed, what happens in the aftermath. And it's, it's honestly, it's an episode that I feel like we should do, but it's, um, 
It's immensely disturbing. I, 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 I think the idea imagine. of coup has always been really fascinating to me because oftentimes, you know, a coup will overthrow an illegitimate or dangerous regime like uh, that already maybe seized power via a coup of their own. But it's defined as like a typically illegal, unconstitutional act um, by a political faction. I'm interested to hear what you guys think about the idea of coups. Are they inherently illegitimate or is it just a fancy word for like an uprising or a revolution? Mm, a lot of times it's an overthrow by an outside actor or at least spurred on by an outside actor. A lot of times, not mm. always. Yeah, not no, always. I understand that, but I'm saying is, is that, is it a specific word that refers to that or is it only a word that's used when it's the, when when those conditions are are in play, or or could you consider a coup to be a legitimate overthrow of a like is are coup and revolution ever interchangeable, or are they like you know one person's coup is another person's revolution, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> uh, coup d'état translates to blow of state, so all coup d'état are inherently and technically illegal in the country in which they occur because they're unconstitutional. Those constitutions will have, at least on paper, some legal mechanism for the, uh, for the transfer of power. Uh, this is kind of silly. There's a lot of stuff in international affairs that's kind of silly. But a lot of uh, professors and pundits will tell you that a coup is considered successful when the group, the people who uh, are in charge of the coup, when they can hold power for about a week, for seven days. For some reason, that's the rule. They don't take you seriously on Thursday, but if you make it to Friday, congratulations. You are the, uh, you are the new prime minister of um, uh, Matvania. Sorry, Matt. It was just that's the first okay. one that came to mind. I've been meaning to step down for a while. <laughs> so that's... That's something that I would love to dive into, like the history of coups. I mean, the history of human governance is one written in blood. It would be dishonest to phrase it any other way. Uh, however, I'm telling you, this child soldier thing, we have to look at it very close to cults. And it's not, it's, you know, I think a lot of people in the West have some stereotype of this occurring only in uh, certain parts of the world. But it also occurs in the Middle East. It occurred in the U.S. We had child soldiers in the Civil War, you know, and we even romanticized the idea of kids lying about their age to get into the military. Like there's hmm. these are two vaguely related ideas, but I think they're they're oh. each on their own. We talked about this before, but my wife has personal stories working with children, like young kids who are gang members who are actively using weapons and you know, mm -hmm. engaging in activities that are similar to being a soldier, um, if not the same thing, fighting a, a war. So, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, yeah, this is definitely something worth our time and attention. So I'm, I'm down, Ben. Awesome. Okay. I've got one, one last thing on this uh, as we move on. Uh, you may have, if you are, whether or not you're in the U.S., if you follow U.S. domestic news, you may have heard uh, some of the recent actions of the current administration described as a coup. I would very much like to hear your thoughts on this conspiracy realist. Just hit us up, conspiracy at iheartmedia.com. We have our section at the end where we tell you all the ways to contact us. But the question that I have for this segment is, are the recent events in the domestic sphere of the U.S., do they or do they not meet the threshold for what would be described as an attempted coup? No judgment. Just let us know. 
Yes or no and why? And with that, we're going to pause for uh, one more word from our sponsor, and we'll return with more strange news. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we are back and moving over to United States. Uh, what, let's call this domestic cybersecurity news. <laughs> um, many times on this show, we have spoken to you about hacking, an interesting term to describe uh, forms of espionage, forms of uh, snooping around sometimes just to see what can be achieved. And and uh, that's my son in the background. And depending on the aims of someone who is equipped with the skills to breach networks and get inside of you know, whether it's a single computer or an entire network, um, who knows what the aims are behind any group, but they, there, are, there can be vast reasons for doing so. And today we're coming to you with a story about a group that is being described by the United States government as Russian government hackers and actions that were taken against several United States government agencies. So here's, uh, here is the Washington Post title 
from the article. Russian government hackers are behind a broad espionage campaign that has compromised U.S. agencies, including Treasury and Commerce. This was reported today, December 14th, the day that we're recording this episode. And according to this article, it is saying that it was just coming to light. It's kind of been known or it's information about this attack, some might call it. Others just might call it a breach, um, has been coming forth throughout the entire weekend, this past weekend. And there are several hackers that go by nicknames that are supposedly behind this. One is APT29, also known as Cozy Bear. These are, um, this is a group of hackers, not not just one. It's like a collective, essentially. Um, they are supposedly, and again, it's tough to know just that it's reporting coming from the United States and it's an attack on the United States. Hard to know how much is real info, how much is disinfo on purpose, how much is being a little more slanted because it's an us or them kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying that this group is part of Russia's foreign intelligence service, uh, also known as the SVR. And they're saying that this group breached email systems. That's the primary thing that occurred here. And I guess the scary thing is that it's email systems throughout a whole bunch of the United States infrastructure, of the government infrastructure. Uh, And according to the Washington Post, the Federal Bureau of Investigation here in the United States is looking into this. And they say that the victims have included uh, government consulting, technology, telecom, oil and gas companies in North America, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. And uh, this is according to, uh, oh, it's, it's a group called FireEye. I can't mm-hmm. remember if we've, if we've mentioned them before, but they are a firm that generally is watching out for these kinds of attacks. And uh, <laughs> they, got, they got breached. And they were one of the first people to kind of raise a flag. Uh, and my understanding that it was a while ago when they first uh, said this. Um, but then if you reach out to Russia, like the if you go to the embassy in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, they say the they call the hacking reports baseless. They say the attacks in the information space contradict Russian foreign policy and national interests, and that Russia does not conduct offensive operations in the cyber domain. Okay, so it's just it's just motivated patriots acting on their own, just like uh, just like China's China's uh, hacker army. I, I will say the the big difference here uh, between this and a lot of hacks is that this is not just a hack for information. Also, the FBI said it was a state level actor, but they did not officially say it's Russia. They, they did not. It's, it's kind of like that Putin law where the law is for, you know, anybody who happens to have been president of Russia. They, they said it was a state-level thing, but they, they clearly think it's Russia. Uh, the, the dangerous part here is the FireEye hack is not a hack for information primarily. They're not looking for, you know, uh, database codes or learning more creepy stuff for later surveillance or SIGINT or whatever. What, they're, what they did was they stole the fire. There's something Promethean about this. Yeah. It's like, it's like for a, for a very basic, they stole a toolkit. So it's like for a very basic analogy of this or comparison, uh, imagine someone robs a gun store and they do it with a gun and they pull this off 
And then when they rob the store, uh, they might check the register. But what they really want is more guns, more guns, more ammo that they can use in more robberies. That's what happened here, because the stuff they're taking enables them to hack into a bunch of other networks. Yeah, exactly. So so this is a document that another group, Solar Winds. Uh, filed with the Security and Exchange Commission. And what they're saying is that fewer than 18,000, that's 18,000 of its more than 300,000 customers were affected. And But here's what Ben is, why it's important what Ben is saying. What these 18,000 people did was install an update patch, essentially, to the software. And this update patch was not like the certified one that should have been coming from SolarWinds for, you know, in the like when you get an official update on your computer or your Mac or your Windows machine or whatever it is, this one was falsified and that enabled those 18,000 machines to then be activated for the purposes of this group. Uh, mm. That's what Ben is saying. They're like getting more weapons, essentially. Yeah, you're right. And thank you for that. Thank you for that clarification, Matt. I, I would say FireEye may not be familiar to a lot of our listeners, especially if you're not in the tech space or in the weird spy space, but uh, they are familiar with you. Uh, Their clients include things like Equifax. They worked with Sony when we did that very weird episode about the Sony hack back in 2014. They've also worked with uh, several other places. They they worked with the State Department when uh, it and other agencies were breached in 2015. It's it, it's messy because they have what you could kind of say is a skeleton key. Not quite, but their fingers are in a lot of digital pies and someone has hijacked their hand. Yeah, but I mean, well, these are products that are used by critical organizations. Mm-hmm. The United States military, like multiple branches, the Pentagon, the State Department, Justice Department, NASA, the executive office of the president and the NSA. Like these are all people who use this software. These are all groups that use this software. And they were able, whoever this was, was able to hack into the update server of this SolarWinds FireEye thing and then through that system, jump into all these other machines. And the the scariest thing is that, I mean, does anybody out there use Microsoft Office 365? That's one of the ways, they're calling it a vector in this, that they were able to carry out this attack just by, by using Microsoft Office. It's a little scary. We don't know enough right now. We just know that mm. it's gone through. We Nothing necessarily has happened. There haven't been officially any consequences because of this at least there's no reporting on that yet but it is uh let's use the word troubling yeah yeah because we don't know what happens next do we uh we also don't know what the reporting filter is like what i mean by reporting filter is the ways in which government agencies or companies choose to or choose not to disclose information to end users, citizens in the case of uh, countries or, you know, customers in the case of consumers. So if you are the NSA or you are FireEye or, you, you know, you're the FBI or something and you absolutely get rocked on something like this, then, you know, if you're a company, you would arguably do the same if you were a government. But if you're a company, you do need to tell 
your customers that, like with the Sony hack. But the thing is, with, when you're when you're a government agency, this whole other level of mind games comes into play. What do we disclose? How much do we disclose, right? And when do we message it? How do we say it happens? Like, look at the way, look at the way Iran handled Stuxnet, which is probably one of the most famous hacking events of, of the past few years. Um, how do you report that? Because you want to maintain your position uh, and you want, I, I don't know, like a lot of these things, whenever you hear an anonymous source familiar with the case or blah, blah, blah. That's someone who doesn't want to go on record because, or they've been told not to go on record because they don't want to escalate a possible conflict. But they were totally greenlit to say that. These sources who are close to the investigation. Yeah, dude, you mean the FBI? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And we're going to see fallout, man. Oh, we're definitely... We're definitely going to see fallout, hopefully just the political kind and, you know, not the nuclear kind. Um, that's a really weird gallows humor joke. I'm sorry for that, everyone. <laughs> I loved it. Um, it's interesting stuff because in this article from the Washington Post, they're going back to the DNC and some of the hacking, you know, alleged hacking that was occurring there uh, back in the day. Everyone remembers that. We certainly talked about it. Um, and there's... We're just going to have to wait and see, essentially. Great. Yeah. (laughs) This is from the article. SolarWinds monitoring tool has extremely deep administrative access to a network's core functions, which means that hacking the tool would allow anyone, they're saying the Russians, to freely root around victims' systems. So who knows what they might find or have found. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find out when something gets released on, I don't know, where do things get released on anymore is someplace. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, of course, Facebook memes, right? Yeah. It's yeah. The, it'll be fake. They'll post it on Facebook. <laughs> uh, I will say FireEye did yesterday release an official statement about this. You can find it if you just look at FireEye, uh, statement, SolarWind, uh, or solar winds. They took the solar wind supply chain in order to distribute this thing called they call Sunburst. That's the name they're using, FireEye's term for the malware. Uh, so I would be, yeah, I would be hesitant to say that this is going to be an easy fix on the FireEye side or on the side of anybody who is compromised in this regard. So it's um, the, like this, the, okay, the scariest thing, just to put a sunbursty bright point on what Matt has said here, the reason you should be freaked out about this and not in a conspiratorial way, you should be very freaked out right now, is that solar winds, according to employees, uh, solar wind software gives you access to pretty much everything. Like think sysadmin, system administrator, and it's used by the Pentagon and the White House. From the sound of it, it reminds me of something. I, I only know this through a couple of friends of mine that are way better at computers than me. But there is something called root access, like with Macs in particular. I don't know if this translates to Windows systems as well. But it's something you have to get through, like the little terminal window that, like, where you actually enter keystroke commands to to get you know to navigate around to different folders and stuff. And root access is like god level admin access that not only gives you access to everything, it lets you gives you you know the ability to 
wreak havoc on systems if you so choose, like by deleting lines of code or, you know, moving things around or making things not function properly. Yeah. yeah. Root, root access will be familiar to a lot of our friends who have tried to take, who have needed to take uh, mandatory bloatware off of their cell phones, there you go. off of their smartphones. There you go. Uh, I know we talked about this, but it really didn't dawn on me just until now that the updates that went out that were compromised were released in March and June mm-hmm. of 2020. So they really have been active for a long time. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that they were in there prior to the U S presidential election. Um, but again, like, I don't think there's any, uh, I don't mean that as in these, this group influenced the election in some way. It's just, they could probably monitor a lot of things that occurred and communications that were happening around the election. Um, mm-hmm. So that's uh, fascinating stuff. I like where your head's at, Matt. Um, so everybody's hacked. Uh, <laughs> everybody's <laughs> hacked. Everybody's got fake COVID tests. Uh, what's the other one? Everybody's trying to overthrow a country. That's <laughs> that's strange news today. Oh, Mondays. Know. If you there we go. If you guys could be in charge of a country, like be the ruler of a country, A, would you want to and B, which country? I'm just interested. What do you guys what, what would you aim for? You want like a big one or you want I don't like know, a, man. It seems like a lot of trouble for not a lot of payoff. Mm, mm. I, maybe I'm just not benevolent enough. I mean, maybe if I, you know, thought I could do some good, I might do it, but I probably would just muck it up even worse. Or you could be a monarch. No, that's fair. But I'd, I'd probably let it go to my head and become an absolute monster. So yeah. I'm going to bow out. I would change my name to Joseph. Okay. I would go just out in the middle of nowhere and start Eden's Gate. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, start Hope. It would be Hope County. That's what I would call it. And uh, Is this a Fallout? Are you doing a Fallout thing? Huh? Is, fall- nope. is this Fallout? Nope, it's not Fallout. But it would just, uh, it would definitely be, that's what I would want to do. I'd want to have my son, John, uh, his sister, and brother, like, be my second, third, and fourth in command. That's what I would want to do. Wait. Just, okay, just, no, no. It's I, cool. I, I, mm, <laughs> one day, Matt, I'm going to get you one day. I'll catch these references one day. I'm up to, like, 75% human, so I'm, I'm going to get there one day. This is, uh, this is how you find out what old video game Matt's playing. Just listen <laughs> to the weird references and then type them into a search. Is that Fallout? Is that New Vegas? Nope. Mm-mm. Let's just move it's on. It's not a fallout at all, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Do you want, do you want me to say? No, we'll just let everybody <laughs> yeah, write. Yeah, now, yeah, this yeah. is your part of the game, folks. Uh, so let us let us know what uh, what game is Matt playing currently. <laughs> let us know what country you would like to be in charge of, if you're in charge of a country, uh, how you would do it. Let us know what you think about uh, what we covered with mass vaccinations with uh, fraudulent COVID results and uh, whether or not people should have to get a vaccine, depending on their job and so on. Uh, We try to make it easy to find us. We're all over the Internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You can find us and our excellent mods on Here's Where It Gets Crazy. And if you don't sip the social meads, uh, you can call us directly, and you may end up on the show. That's right. Our number is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave that message. Let us know if we can use your name and voice on the listener mail episodes or anywhere else. We will attempt to use them if possible. And uh, yeah, please leave your message. We we'd love to hear from you. 
What else can you do? You can join our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. That's fun. Just name a name. Any name will do. Some ref to something we've said on the show or name of anyone involved in the show. And you are in to join in all of the, the conspiracy realist shenanigans. They're on. Here's where it gets crazy. If you don't want to do that, you can also you know get in touch with us sort of more of an old-fashioned way, pre-social media way anyway. You can send us a good old-fashioned email where we are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.